Welcome to For the Love of Brantford, a podcast about the evolving story of our community. This podcast is for everyone who holds a place in their heart for our beautiful city. I'm Nathan Etherington, the Program and Community Coordinator for the Brant Historical Society. I'll be sharing some information from the Brant Historical Society archives and other sources to share some history that you may not have learned in school. And I'm Andy Samwell, president of the Eagle Place Community Association, and I'm passionate about community. And for me, you'll hear about what's happening in our community now. And I'm Zila Ozels from the Brantford Public Library. I'll be speaking with experts to get an idea of where our community is going. If you have any questions or comments that you would like to share with us, fill in our feedback form on the podcast website at brantfordlibrary.ca slash FLB. We hope you join us each episode as we learn from each other and explore Brantford's past, present, and future. This is a bonus episode with the full interview between Mandy and Ken and Carly from SPAC and Green Team. Hi, everyone. Today I'm joined by Carly and Ken. Could you guys introduce yourself for the folks listening at home? Sure. Thanks, Mandy, and thanks for having us. Uh, I'm Ken Burns. I'm a past chair and past member of SPAC. I was on SPAC, uh, well, so the Environmental uh, Sustainability and Policy Advisory Committee uh, for the City of Brantford for almost 10 years. And I was also on the Brownfield Community Policy Advisory Committee for a number of years. In my past, I've operated a a company installing residential uh, solar systems for a number of years, uh, back in 2010 2013. And uh, I have a master's degree in environment and business. For me, sustainable development is really just about building the community we want at a price we can afford. Thanks, Ken. Uh, I'm Carly. Thanks so much, Mandy, for having us. Uh, I wear so many different hats. I'm young and I love to get involved in the community. I'm a member of SPAC, um, and as well as when I started underneath Ken, when he was the chair of SPAC, and uh, really grew with him into the green team and uh, ended up becoming the chair of green team. It's a subcommittee from SPAC. I went to University of Waterloo for kinesiology, but I'm currently working as a recreation therapist in Simcoe. All right. Thanks so much. Um, Could you tell the folks listening at home a little more about SPAC and the green team and what that is? Sure. The SPAC is the Environmental Sustainability and Policy Advisory Committee for the City of Brantford. So it's a a citizen committee of the City of Brantford. So uh, council appoints citizen members who have applied uh, to sit on the committee. And the committee provides advice to council on matters of environmental sustainability and and policy. So things like the climate change declaration uh, or climate action declaration that we're going to be talking about later and and things like that are things that SPAC would provide a report on when uh, we go back to the bike park at that time EPAC or SPAC provided a report to council on the environmental impact that the the park was having and pros and cons for for council to consider in in doing it so that's that's its mission sometimes uh, staff will bring things to SPAC for comment on as well Um, things like the uh, emissions 
uh, inventory and certain reporting that is being done under the Green Energy Act and whatever have been brought to SPAC for comment and, and you know, providing feedback and community engagement, right? That's the, that's the main thing. And that's what we're really where the, the green team grew out of was having a community engagement committee that could actually go out to events and do things that wasn't just a policy-based committee that, that meets once a month. Um, but that actually got out there. And that's why we created the green team to get more people involved and to do more, more outreach. And I think uh, of the green team as more of an educational aspect to get the community involved in waste diversion. It was really cool before the pandemic, we partnered with Bush Manufacturing to have waste recycling and organic bins at the biggest festival in Brantford, and that's Canada Day. And we were able to divert, uh, Ken, quote me if I'm wrong, but I believe over 65% of the waste on Canada Day. And we yeah. were able to uh, find these different measures by doing a waste audit. It was, the, I believe, the first event. That's how I jumped in with Ken. Uh, he started off the green team and I received a message saying, hey, I heard you like to pick up trash. And uh, all of a sudden I, I showed up on, I didn't know if I should have been offended or like excited, but I was a little bit of both. And I showed up by myself on Canada Day to these wonderful people like Andy Tonkin, uh, Cheryl Antonsky and Ken Burns and his wife, Lori. And I met these individuals to help clean up uh, waste from the festival. So what's nice to know is uh, the waste bins that we have for the green team is we have the capacity to do the largest event in Brantford. So we can uh, implement our bins at any event and provide education and be there as a leader for any event that wants to implement waste diversion. And the goal at the end of the day, I believe, is to make sure that um, one day that could be a policy and it's uh, needed to make sure that we can reduce our waste and reduce our carbon input. That's awesome. Another another event that we really enjoyed having you guys at was the very first Wheels on the Pavement Touch a Truck event at the Civic Center and having the green team there. That turned out really fantastic too. I don't recall what the numbers were for the waste diversion, but it was really great to, to see everybody talking to you guys and learning about what you were doing and, and the difference that that was making. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, I think it was it was really uh, powerful for for council and Brantford that you know waste is an issue that that people talk to us a lot about in the community and particularly people that have moved from other communities where there is organic waste diversion um, and they ask them like, why isn't it here right and so that's why we took a look at at Brantford Canada Day because we knew they had a challenge with recycling already and and that was a great uh, partnership between SPAC and, and staff um, who were challenged but didn't have the resources. And one of the problems at Canada Day was that by the time the night fills in and you've got people gathering for the, the headliner later, that it was difficult for staff to get around and, and stay on top of emptying the garbage bins. And as a result, they got a lot of overflow, they ended up being a lot of litter and, and so on. And, uh, and the recycling was, was impossible to keep clean, right? That, that there was so much garbage in the recycling bins that they put out because um, they only had the giant ones. They didn't have any really good vessels for it. Um, and so everything ended up going to landfill anyway, which was a complete tragedy. And so in 2018, as, as Carly was saying, our first mission, we only had six of us um, to go out as the original green team, as Carly was saying. But what was powerful was actually going through the waste afterwards and actually measuring it, measuring amount of recycling and being able to separate that. The waste audit was far you know, more impactful and then being able to report to council those numbers um, was really motivating when they saw how much 
should have been recycled, how much could have been diverted, you know, really helped get council on board um, behind that. And then in 2019, uh, we really had our first ability to, to do diversion. Um, and, and I think council was excited by the, by the uh, amount of waste that we were able to, to divert, including organics. And I, one other thing I'd like to add to it is that the, the really surprising part for me was the Brantford business community and how quickly the business community wanted to get involved with that effort in 2019. It was really, um, you know, our partner Stone Straw that's uh, based here in, in Brantford, we're on the cusp of developing a compostable straw. So they provided free straws for every vendor. They provided their compostable straws because we had a composting partner that would actually compost them, got compostable straws and, and to use, and we were able to divert them uh, from landfill, which is really, uh, really amazing. So it was a great experience. And unfortunately, we didn't get to repeat it in 2020. Um, so hopefully it will, uh, it will come back for 2023. But it was a really, when you look at what we did um, in 2018, it was a really remarkable um, effort for Brantford. And, and I think really put Brantford on the map of, of leadership in terms of waste diversion at festivals. Yeah, I can definitely say like, Ken, everything you mentioned, uh, it just painted a picture in my mind of the green team being able to fill that gap for public engagement. We know individuals want to focus on sustainability, but if those resources aren't available there, and at a government level, if we're able to provide those bins and provide that education, we really close that gap to make um, make this waste system flow seamlessly and making sure that waste diversion is available. And Mandy, when you mentioned touch a truck, I, it just also got my mind exploding like, wow, all these events that we used to do before the pandemic, we were really booming as a green team. We were at Lansdowne Walk and Roll. We were also at Scare in the Square. We, uh, Canada Day, Homedale Porch Party, Homedale Car Show, we were really getting the word out there. And I can really see the momentum starting up again once uh, the green teams uh, get going now post-pandemic. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, could you share with me where your passion for this kind of work came from? Go ahead, Ken, you start this off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, well, my passion uh, comes from really, you know, being raised with principles of environmental stewardship and being uh, stewards of the earth and the lands around us. You know, when I went off to university and I studied economics and I looked at, you know, how the, the economic models are built around the world, it really seemed to me that something was missing in, in that equation. You know, you can't have an economy without the environment, but the economy was in many ways based on, you know, ignoring or at least externalizing environmental costs of, of doing business, you know, as for example, with, you know, the landfill city on how much they cost to operate and maintain going into the future, they're not based on a replacement cost. So when companies have to pay to dispose of their waste, they're only paying a fraction of the real cost of that waste. And that doesn't even get into the, the lost materials and the, and the lost rare um, inputs that are that are there when it just goes to landfill, you know, forestry that getting our paper, if it's not sustainably made, that means that the company is not paying the cost of replacing that forest in making that paper, they're paying the cost of cutting the trees down and milling them into paper, but they're not paying the cost of replacing the forest so that it's there, which is why of the importance of, of sustainable paper or water is the same thing. Bottled water, the cost of a bottle of water what you're paying for is the cost of making the bottle, filling it with water, but you're not paying anything for the water that came out of the ground. Like Nestle's uh, 
payment to Canada for taking water all across our, our nation is negligible. It doesn't even show up on their balance sheet. It's so small. It doesn't show up on their income statement. It's so small. So, you know, these are examples of where the economy really doesn't factor in, you know, something that that is uh, really important. And I think there was a, a professor in Arizona in 2009, I want to say, um, I can't remember his name, but a, a brilliant guy that, that wrote a great post about time for an environmental revolution. And what he said in that post was something that's become a little more commonplace today. But he, he said for the first time, like, look, if you think the economy is more important than the environment, and let's face it, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, many people did believe that. Um, and, and this sort of got the, the ball rolling is if you think the economy is, is more important than the environment, try holding your breath while you count your money. And, and I think that really sort of put it in perspective for me, you know, back then, like there's that missing piece. There's a great way to encapsulate it in a way that, that you know, people can, can digest it. And I think that, you know, in today's world, we see a lot more people at least putting them on the same level. So that's really what um, got me involved. And then, you know, when I went back to school to a master's degree in environment and business, really being able to build on that and, and focus on municipal sustainability and, and that and being on great committees. And my love of that is what's got me going. Carly? I hear that, Ken, because um, over all these years we've known each other, I've never once asked you what your how your passion came to be. <laughs> so I just sat here and I'm like, I knew bits and pieces of that, but it was really nice to hear that all come together. Um, my passion for this work, uh, I didn't grow up really in a sustainable household. It just wasn't something that was talked about. I was referred to as the tree hugger of the family, and I was always a uh, getting on everybody at home to turn the lights off and to preserve our energy and our water. And I, it was just always something that I was passionate about in, in that aspect. And when I stepped off and like a free bird off to university, I realized uh, really my first year of university, how much paper cups that I was using myself, just because I was always having caffeine or coffee in my cup to get through university. And I saw something online that showed a picture of one reusable cup. And then there is a photo of 365 paper cups. And it says your one cup can replace 365 cups. And I, I just had that kind of aha moment when I saw that photo and said, what am I doing? Like I, I'm preaching all this or advocating for all this at home, yet here I am with my paper cup and I'm really disconnected with the waste stream. I'm really polluting the environment if I'm using so much waste that I don't need to. So my, my passion came from reducing single-use plastics. I started with the, with the cup and then in my own life started using um, reusable straws, using my produce bags, bringing my bags to the store, and then also trying to build a community amongst this. I was uh, finishing university and I knew I was heading back to Brantford and I didn't know where I'd fit in to move back from my hometown. I just had this kind of moment where, okay, I'm, I'm done university. I, I went for kinesiology, so the human body I had no background in environment that this was all just groundwork that I was focusing on. I was running um, uh, cleanups. We would call ourselves stash the trash. And once a month we would go out just a group of us on Facebook to clean up uh, Brantford. And um, I had all these items I was trying to reduce my waste with that I wanted to share with people. So I would do like a, just an online earth day event to get people out to different parks. And I would give them zero waste kits, just things that I would make from, passion and share that with the community and all of a sudden I recognize that there's 
I'm not alone in this mission and that there's so many people out there that are wanting to go towards a green economy. And that's exactly the same time that I found a Facebook post a friend sent me saying there's this group in Brantford cleaning up waste, you'd you'd love it. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, you're right, I would. And I ended up meeting these remarkable um, individuals in Brantford with just this mindset ready to change the world. And it was nice to to not have I was kind of in the backseat just absorbing and being like a sponge of what are they doing? This is more than just a cleanup. This is going to be something big. And uh, I, I think, Ken, by the time we left the first night of Canada, it was like three in the morning. And I just met everybody that day. And I was so invested. And right off the bat, Ken and I brains just clicked. And I was asking Andy about what what's going on in Brantford? Who's, who are these people? What's going on? How do I get involved? And he introduced me to SPAC and I just sat on uh, the policy committee and all of a sudden we're doing the green team and then we're going into the green party. And it's been one thing after another where I recognize that to get this done, it can't just happen as an individual. It needs to happen at a business level and a government level. So I've been really trying to get myself involved in all angles and I can see how powerful our voices can be once we stick up for the greater good. And I I, I always think of this quote, the future belongs uh, to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. And it's Eleanor Roosevelt. And my my beauty of my dream is recognizing that I believe the green economy is the future. And I, I'm definitely not backing down from that. So if we, we keep taking small steps, I think we can take some larger leaps. And the green team's just that as well as ASPAC, it's uh, guiding us towards those bigger jumps. And it's so exciting to be a part of. Thanks so much, Carly. I love the story about how you found your people. And Ken, I'm not going to forget about that that um, uh, statement about holding your breath while you're counting your money. I think that really definitely hits home as well. Um, could you tell me a little bit about your thoughts on the city's climate action change plan and how you guys were involved in that? Yeah, I'll start off. Uh, through SPAC, we are able to review uh, the climate action plan ahead of time, as well as make suggestions uh, as to what we believe would be more beneficial for the city. So uh, just sitting on SPAC, making sure that uh, we agree with the recommendations and that this is a way to head towards uh, a more sustainable Brantford. So I love the climate change action plan. I believe this is necessary and I'm excited that the wheels are spinning. Yeah, and, and I would just add to that that I think um, SPAC was really involved in the genesis of, of those plans. So the plans themselves were put together by Brantford's Climate uh, Change Officer, which was another initiative that was initiated by SPAC was to encourage the city to hire a climate change officer and there was funding available for it. And so we supported um, staff in in you know, putting those applications in, getting that funding and hiring that person and, and demonstrating the benefit of it, which uh, our previous uh, climate change officer, uh, who was fabulous, uh, Rochelle Rumney was, was with us for a few years um, and, uh, and she subsequently left and a new person has, has come in, I believe they've hired. Um, but, uh, you know, that was something that, that SPAC championed initially to do that. And similarly, with the uh, declaration of a climate emergency and, and urgent action um, back in 2019 was something that um, uh, SPAC and Councillor Antoski worked, you know, together with. And, and also, I want to say, worked with staff 
um, to work it out. You can't get something as good as, as the um, declaration of the climate emergency that involved as much. When you compare what Brantford did to other cities, Brantford is way out in front. We really set the bar high for ourselves and we really adopted a lot of things um, that a lot of other uh, cities were reluctant to do. And, and I think one of the things that I'm most proud of um, that's reflected in the corporate uh, climate action plan is reporting to the community. That was something that was really big for us, that we would have regular reports, regular progress reports to the community and build a, a two-way communication from the, the people of Brantford and the, the council and, and through council staff. Um, you know, how are we doing? Are we keeping up our objectives? Are we doing that? And the other thing that I think was really important was um, being able to have a framework in place by which staff and, and proponents bringing uh, things before council could quantify the carbon impact of that. And that was something that no other community has done. That was a built-in Brantford solution and really want to credit Rochelle for helping to develop that tool that now, you know, city staff have and will continue to grow with the current uh, climate change officer. But there's a way that so that we start that conversation. So I think there's a lot of hope and, and a lot of um, there's a lot of work ahead, but there's a lot of hope in Brantford's climate action plan, both the corporate climate action plan and the community uh, climate action plan, uh, both of which were really developed by staff, as, as Carly said, with comment and input from SPAC. But, you know, with those tools in place and, and with that mindset in place, we have really, you know, measurable objectives. We have, uh, we have targets, we have tools in place to know if we're moving towards those targets or we're not moving towards those targets and both things can happen. And at the end of the day, it really is up to council when they're deciding on, a, on something that's been put before them, you know, do they wanna do it? Not everything is going to move us towards our climate change objectives, but if we move away from them, we've got to double our efforts to move back to them, right? That, you know, not every um, project is gonna do that. So being able to, to weigh those projects and see what can be done and are there other areas of any given thing that could be improved? I think those are real strengths of uh, Brantford's climate action plans. And, and I, I guess I would just add too, like I think with the community action plan, it really, um, it really opens it up for people in the community to be able to help in, in whatever way they can. They're ambitious targets, right? A 30% reduction by 2030 and 80% reduction by 2040 and being net carbon neutral by, by 2050. And, and so, um, you know, for people that don't understand what net carbon neutral means, it basically means that what you're doing in terms of some actions are gonna be emitting carbon. Like in 2050, we still may be using diesel for some large equipment. There's still gonna be some kinds of emissions. We might still be using natural gas uh, for things at that point. Those are our carbon emissions. We wanna make sure that our carbon absorption by planting trees, by having uh, you know, forests and other carbon sinks and other technologies that are absorbing the carbon, um, that they're offsetting whatever carbon is being emitted. And when our offsets, are equivalent to our emissions, that's net neutral, right? And that's what we need to be by 2050 so that we're not on balance emitting more carbon, even if we're still using carbon from some sources. I really appreciate what you said about how um, Brantford came out so strong in relation to other communities and did such a great job with the um, de declaration of the climate emergency. Um, and I also just wanted to say as well that um, what you were saying about the regular reporting to the community, I think that's going to be huge because um, having that information being shared and the communication regularly with the community will really make people feel like they're part of it too. And that they're, you know, they're, they're playing a, a role in that. 
and making that difference as well. So that's really great. And I think we saw staff on side with that when they were developing the community action plan, a number of, of public events were held to share that with the, the people of Brantford um, to be able to get their input on the plan too before it was finalized and put before council. Sorry, Carly. That's okay. Uh, we could even see from the very get-go when we had the climate change uh, emergency at city council, we had so much of the community show up. We overflew uh, all, all of council people, sorry, city hall. We had people waiting outside because everybody's voices wanted to be heard that this is important. We know this is the beginning of something big that we can change and be a part of in Brantford. And it was really nice to see the community from the get-go be involved. And now uh, looking to where we are now with the corporate climate change action plan and the community plan, it's it's really taking action and everybody's getting involved. And the more information our community knows about what's going on and what our targets are and if we're meeting them, like you mentioned, everybody's gonna be involved and it, we're all a part of this. I love that. I love, I love when citizens care enough to come out and be that involved. And just the fact that you were overflowing City Hall because there was so many people that cared about this, that's fantastic to know that people cared that much. Um, and can you share with me some really simple ideas that folks can be doing at home to make a difference? For sure. I, I think that, you know, the first thing is if you want to go to Brantford's website and read the plans, the plans are meant to be read by everyday people. They're not technical documents filled with tables and, and you know, complex engineering language or whatever. They're really um, written for everybody to be able to understand. And I think one of the fundamental concepts that, that underlies both the corporate emissions plan and the, and the community engagement plan is the fundamental model of reduce, improve, and switch. And what that means is if we're going to reduce, if, if we're going to tackle climate change, the first and, and easiest savings is to reduce our usage, reduce energy usage, reduce waste, you know, reduce the, the actions or, or things that are actually causing the emissions to happen in the first place, right? So we can do that by, you know, reducing our waste, by diverting our, our organics, by composting or, or using biogas facilities to, to make energy out of the organic wastes. Um, we can do that, as Carly was saying earlier in her house, she championed just turning off the lights when you're not in, in a, a room or you're not using it. I'll tell you, both Carly and I, as, as, as political candidates, have done a lot of canvassing of the streets. And it's amazing how many houses you go to and you see bright sun streaming into the kitchen and streaming into the front room. And yet all the lights are on in, in the house, you know, even with that. That's just one example of, of saying, you know, to do that. So reducing our, our energy. In addition to reducing it, the next step is to improve the efficiency of what we're doing. So maybe it's time for a new furnace and maybe your furnace is 25 years old in your house and might even be an oil one. Going to a high efficiency furnace instead of another you know, low efficiency and almost all appliances today are pretty much high efficiency anyway. So you know, that, that's really what you're gonna be looking at. But, but even considering that, right? And, and to go to the lighting analogy, using LED bulbs now instead of using the uh, old incandescent bulbs or even, you know, CFLs and so on, the LEDs are far more energy efficient. So we still are going to need light. That's just a way of improving, you know, the way we get light, we're improving the efficiency. 
And then switch is once we've reduced the amount that we're using to as much as we can reduce it, we've improved the, the technology that we're using, we've improved the efficiency as much as we can, then switching to clean energy sources, right? So switching to uh, renewable natural gas or switching to renewable electricity to power your LED lights, um, those kinds of things, right? So bullfrog power is a common one that everybody's uh, aware of for renewable uh, electricity. Um, the renewable natural gas is, is really simple. It's like $2 a month on your, for those people that are using um, natural gas. It's not a huge price hike on, on what it is. And I think the mayor noted that a lot of people uh, in Brantford, like when you look at the, um, the, where the emissions are coming from in the community plan, a lot of it is heating and cooling our homes. That's where a lot of those uh, emissions are coming from. So where, you know, the improve model happens, like we, we reduce by, you know, raising the, the thermostat as much as we can in the summertime, um, lowering it as much as we can in the wintertime, that's reducing the amount that those furnaces or heating and cooling systems are going to have to work. Improving the technology is something I think the mayor touched on when they were looking at the adopting the climate action plan and saying, you know, what about heat pumps? Are heat pumps a big part of our, our future? And really they are. Right? It's one device that can both heat and cool your, your um, house through technology and isn't causing emissions other than the electricity um, that it's using and they're high efficiency appliances. So, you know, for the time being, if you're still using, you know, like you, I've got a high efficiency natural gas furnace that still has another 15 years on its life. I can't switch, you know, my whole house and just throw out that technology, but I can switch to renewable natural gas. And when that, you know, furnace needs to be replaced, then maybe I'm going to look at a heat pump, you know, that can do both the heating and cooling kind of thing. So those are examples of how people can apply the reduce, improve and switch model themselves to their home and to their daily life. It applies to everything that you do, whether it's transportation, you know, carpooling to work, there are great ways to reduce or improve, you know, getting an electric vehicle, those kinds of things are, are engaging in, in public transit of some form, if that's possible, whatever it is from waste to transportation to housing. If you look at your life with that reduce, improve and switch model, and it's in both plans, and I think staff has done a great job of laying it out and explaining it, take a look around your house and you will find ways to use that model to make your, your own, to reduce your own emissions at home. That was awesome, Ken. Um, I'm going to add on, I guess I have my waste diversion hat still on. I'm, I, I just really want, I guess, one easy thing that I can say for individuals that sometimes they might not know about um, waste diversion is if it's not clean, don't put it in the recycling. Sometimes at home, you have that idea that I need to do good. I, I need to recycle, but I'm, I'm not feeling in the moment to do it. Like I, I get the example of a peanut butter jar. Some people just don't feel like emptying out their peanut butter jar. And so I'll just say it, it has to be black and white that if it's not clean, it does not belong in the recycling bin. We get a lot of contamination in the recycling bin, which makes our recycling not really recyclable anymore. So the more clean you can keep your recycling bin, I know it's hard, but if you're not going to clean out that peanut butter container, it does not belong in the recycling and just put it in the garbage. Or for me, I wouldn't be able to do that. You just got to clean it out and you got to put it in the recycling. There's no other answer, but there's this wonderful resource that Brantford has, and it's called recycling coach. And it's an app that you can download on your phone. And I, anytime that I get a question, if somebody says, is this recyclable? Is this not recyclable? Where can I put this? I always resort back to recycling coach and it's a city 
It's a it's a Brantford initiative to make sure that the public knows what goes where. I used to live in Waterloo for school and I was up in Thunder Bay and I spent some time in Burlington and I've noticed that each municipality has its own way of recycling and it has its own stream. So a lot of things are more recyclable in Hamilton and Waterloo than say in Brantford. I thought when I didn't know, I, I needed to educate myself as well. And I'm continuously learning like pizza boxes. If it's greasy, it can't go in the recycling. You have to cut it out. If the I, That's what I would do. Some people would just put it in the garbage, but wherever there's a bit of grease, I just cut that out. That goes in the garbage and then the rest goes into the recycling. At Canada Day, we noticed if somebody had a lemon in their cup with a, even just say a plastic straw or we had compostable, you would have to put that plastic straw in the garbage, have your cup go in the recycling and that lemon can go in the compost. So we really have to think about each, each piece of plastic and where it's gonna end up. And the recycling coach is great at that. And one more example too is uh, plastic bags. I didn't recognize that in Brantford, it gets caught in the teeth in the recycling. So they have more workers to pull these bags out of um, their stream because it's stopping the cycle. So we just can't recycle plastic bags in Brantford. It's just not part of the system. So the more we we become uh, directed with the system and instead of it being an indirect experience, then we can recognize what can be recycled and can't be recycled in Brantford. And we can head towards uh, what we're looking for. And those are things that people can do at home, right? If they, you know, again, to, to reduce emissions, to reduce their uh, climate impact is looking at what can and can't be recycled. So since we can't recycle those plastic bags, you know, using reusable bags or, you know, bringing boxes so that you can box your food, um, that kind of thing, whatever, so that you're not taking home those, those plastic bags. Um, that can't be recycled when you're buying products, looking at whether or not the packaging that product comes in, is that going to be recyclable or not? You know, being, being willing with your Tim Hortons cup to take your lid off and put that in the recycling side and put your cup in the, in the garbage side, you know, so many people will just throw that cup. It's an action. It's one action. It might seem small, just that little lid. That's it. You know, check your garbage. We, Carly's talked a lot about the audit we did and how much we learned about the waste audit from, from Canada Day. You know, it's not a bad thing to, to if you've got to, if you, you know, want to take the time is to just audit your own garbage one day and go through it once it's in the garbage and see how much recyclable stuff have you put in there, right? I, one of my favorite examples is always the little the cardboard toilet paper uh, rolls, right? Are you actually putting them in the recycling box or are they actually going in the garbage? Cause you have a garbage in the bathroom. You don't have recycling in the bathroom. So, you know, those are things that, that, um, people can do again, to reduce their own impact is find out what stuff you're not realizing is that as Carly said, the importance of clean recycling is important. If it's not clean, it's not going to recycling. It's going to landfill and you've wasted your time and, and a lot of others. So, you know, being able to take that time to clean that peanut butter jar, being able to take that time to understand what belongs and what doesn't belong in the in the recycling stream and to sort the two, those are amazing things that you can do. And one, one last thing for people that really want to go the extra distance before we get a green diversion program in Brantford, and I know that's being studied by staff, but it's still going to be years before we're going to get it. Um, you know, you can start a worm composting bin on a weekend. It's a $25 project. It's not expensive. If you've got a few 
uh, totes already laying around the house, it's a great way to repurpose them. And that uh, food stained cardboard from your from your uh, pizza box that goes right into your into your worm bin and the worms will love it. And they especially love Maria's pizza. Can I do a shout out for them? They like the Maria's pizza box. At least my worms do anyway. I don't know. Um, so so yeah, like I, there's so much that you can do and there's so much available on Brantford's uh, city website. I really want to champion that. I think staff has done a great job of putting things out there and getting information available to the public. Um, you know, these things are, are this information is there. And, uh, you know, by all means, reach out to SPAC as well. If you're, if you're looking at stuff, if you want to get involved or you want to volunteer at an event and, and learn more, always happy to have the help. I'm glad that you mentioned the toilet paper rolls, Ken, because after getting so involved with environmental initiatives, that's, I, I do have a recycling, a compost and a garbage in my washroom. But uh, in my home, I, I live with my mom and my boyfriend. And so my mom has her own washroom and I sometimes like sneak a little recycling bin or I catch her putting the uh, toilet rolls on the windowsill for when she goes to the garage. And uh, she, again, just not as involved as I am with this indirectly. She just puts it in the garbage until she says when I go into her washroom, then she's like, uh oh, the recycling police has entered my facility. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of if you're the champion at home or champion around your friends or champion at work your actions really speak volumes and others start to catch on to that as well so I'm really glad you mentioned that toilet paper roll because a lot of people don't recognize that toilet paper roll is beautiful clean clean cardboard and again you can cut it up into small pieces and put it either in Ken's vermicompost or you can put it into my backyard compost it, it will uh, degrade and I, I think the other thing I would like to add is, is, is advocacy, you know, for people at home, please be willing to go out, go out and tell council, tell your counselors, their contact information is on the city website as well. Tell them how important this is to you and how much action you want to see the city take. A couple of my big bugaboos, I've complimented the city a lot so far. I think I could take a couple shots at them. Uh, we still have no recycling downtown. Where do you put your recycling when you're downtown? There's a garbage everywhere, but there's nowhere for people to divert their recycling downtown. Why not? Why do we not have that? Why are there no recycling in Brantford's parks? We have beautiful parks, but all they have are garbage bins. Why do we not have recycling in our parks? Why are we not doing, you know, th this is, these are things that, that the city can do more of. And, and uh, you know, again, I don't wanna paint with a, with a bad brush the whole city, but everybody can improve. And that's one of the ways that Brantford can improve. We've got a lot of good stuff happening in climate action over here, but some of the easy low hanging fruit we still haven't done, right? And getting that recycling. How can we make sure that people recycle, helping them to recycle, helping to make sure that our, our um, you know, multi-unit residential businesses that are industrial commercial sectors that have to do their own uh, waste pickup, that they're recycling as well. One of the great tragedies I think in our society right now is that almost every fast food you know lunch place in every mini mall has a recycling you know container and a and a garbage container but all too often those both those containers are all going to landfill because the only collection they have there is landfill um, because the corporate providers aren't providing recycling so what is council doing to get more businesses on board with saying we don't want that to happen if people are putting it in the recycling bin it should be diverted from landfill and we want to make sure that they get the right stuff in there right and and so you know there is more we can do and calling your counselor and saying hey what the heck 
you know, I'm doing my part here. I'm doing it at home. Help me do it when I go to the, the, you know, the jazz festival. Help me do it when I go to Frosty. Help me do it when I go to Scare in the Square. You know, when we when when the green team goes and, and the organizers can have the green team there, we provide that availability. But we shouldn't, you know, that's a great opportunity for education and outreach as well as diversion. But there should be the opportunity for diversion 24-7 in Brantford. There's no reason not to. And it should be, well, there are reasons not to, but council can make the choice to overcome those things and, and to say, yes, this is important to us. And yes, we're going to do it. And the, what's going to make it important to council is the community saying it's important to them. So advocacy is a huge thing you can do for the environment. It's a huge thing you can do for climate action is letting the city know that there are opportunities to do more and you see them and you want to see the city doing them. Absolutely. And come out and join the green team. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so that actually, so I'll just mention that I, I think a lot of people would have had no idea, Carly, about what you were saying about the recycling needing to be clean. And that if it's not clean, it's not actually getting recycled. And I liked your tips about the worms, Ken, too. I had no idea that they like pizza grease. So that's <laughs> that's pretty interesting. Um, so that brings me you to like the cardboard. Like the cardboard, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maria's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> for Maria's pizza, yeah. Um, so that really brings me to my last question for you guys. Um, if people wanted to get involved with SPAC and the green team, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, please just reach out. Right now we have applications going out in September and October for a new term of SPAC members. So in uh, November, you feel free if you if this is something that interests you, if you found uh, that this discussion is up your alley, then you'll you'll definitely enjoy sitting on SPAC. I would say reach out, submit an application, uh, join SPAC, uh, you, and you can also join in as a community member for the subcommittee, which is the green team to really focus on, on waste diversion. The green team is also on Facebook and it's on Instagram. So if there's any questions, you can always reach out and somebody's always there to answer those. Ken, I don't know if you have any more to add to that. Yeah, that's great. And and all I would say is, you know, feel free to come out for an event and, and see if you like it, see if you have fun. Um, one of the things that we always make as a priority of the green team is to have fun. That's always our number one priority. And then second to that is our waste aversion goals and, and so on, because we really need to make this something that people enjoy doing. And it may sound weird with, you know, waste aversion, a good friend of mine said I was really weird because I recently went to the Vancouver Island Music Festival and what drew me there was not the artist, but they have an excellent waste diversion program and I want to see it for real. I got a photo of their waste station. Right. Um, you know, and, and uh, it, you know, that's the kind of thing that... Um, you can get involved with and 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 have fun doing it right and you know come for a few hours if that's all what you have in terms of time um if you like it come back again we always need volunteers we're always looking for people to help and it's a great you know learning experience you're not gonna have to do anything you don't want to do you know if if doing the waste audit is not your thing that's okay we're not going to make you do that there's other people who love getting in there and getting their their gloves dirty and 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 sorting the stuff out but maybe you like talking to people and you can talk you can stand at one of the waste stations and help people know what goes in the recycling what goes in the organics and whatever's left going in the in the waste you know going to some of these festivals uh summer festivals that I've been to that are doing the waste diversion, they're all doing the same volunteers. Like we're all learning this together. 
So it's great to learn. It's great to be a part of it. And it's great to help others learn. And it's great to go to these events. So um, yeah, just yeah, I'll come out and... Whenever you come out, you're not alone. If you're at a way station, bring a friend. If um, you're unsure what goes where, there's always a leader there to make sure that everybody's supported. So if you think, you know what, I, I might not know everything about recycling, but I'm really interested in volunteering with the green team, come on out. You don't need any background in any type of waste diversion. Everything, everyone's there to support you and the green team's always there to cheer you on as well and making sure everybody has fun. That's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, we'll also include your contact details in the show notes, as well as the information about how to find that cycling coach app and all of that kind of stuff. So just wanted to thank you both for chatting with me today. It was so much fun and definitely we learned a lot. Thanks for having us, Mandy. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of For the Love of Brantford. You can find all the episodes at brantfordlibrary.ca slash FLB, including the show notes where we list references, share images, and provide resources to continue your exploration of Brantford. We are your hosts, Mandy Samuel, Nathan Etherington, and Zila Ozels. This is a podcast in partnership with the Eagle Place Community Association, the Brant Historical Society, and the Brantford Public Library.